All right, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to be in the Gospel of John tonight and around probably several other places. John chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. Now Jesus was not denying total depravity here. He was denying what they had said. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And it goes on for most of this chapter. Uh, and the Pharisees had a real problem. But they weren't the only ones that had a real problem. His disciples had a real problem. Because they're the ones that asked him. Now, the title of this Jumping to conclusions. And that's exactly what took place here. They passed by a man. Now I don't know how they readily knew that he was blind from birth, but probably he was known where they were. And you generally know about people like that. He, didn't, he never has seen, been blind from his birth. Well, uh, but they jumped to conclusions. They just knew they had it figured out. Uh, <laughs> they just knew either he or his parents were responsible for that. Now, how did they know that? Well, they had a, a little bit of knowledge. Look over 1 Corinthians 8 real quick. Verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth, builds up. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. Woo! <laughs> well, that not... Knock your socks off. Flop your mop. Man. Lord, I thought I was getting pretty smart. Now that's where you're wrong. You don't know what you need to know by making that statement. Go back to John 9. Well, this man blind from his birth. This natural blindness illustrates spiritual blindness. 
You know, natural blindness is a handicap in this world. It's not a handicap in the world's gun. People that are blind in this world, if they're saved, there won't be any part of that blindness with them in eternity. Amen. So natural blindness, it's a handicap. I don't want to be blind. You want to be blind? I don't want to be blind. I enjoy my eyes, what I can read, what I can see, everybody. But you can live. You, you can live without... Well, somebody said that you can live without your eyes, you can live without your ears, you can live without your arms, live without your legs. Now that all helps if you have them. But we can live without the stuff. So it is a handicap, though, in this world. Well, trouble that is, spiritual blindness It's, it's a handicap in eternity, not just temporary. So you say natural blindness is a temporary, can be a temporary handicap. But spiritual blindness can be eternal problem. So, well, he was blind from birth. Well, is this an illustration? Yes, it is. Uh, look at Psalm 58. Verse 1, do you indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth their ears. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They come forth from their mother's womb speaking lies. Now, I know that probably most people out there in the world would take offense at that. At that verse. Well, that's just not right. A lot of religionists would take offense at that. That's just not true. Well, you, God said that. And I know it's true. Amen. So that man born blind from birth, he does illustrate spiritual blindness. Because everybody is blind, spiritually blind from birth. And we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. And we saw in 1 Corinthians 8 that when we think ourselves to know anything, we know nothing yet but what we ought to know. And we find out that knowledge can be dangerous, especially when we apply it to others. 
Well, to hold back on that. Now, I understand we're in a world of idolaters. We're in a world of lost people. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. But you see, we are not the judge. There's one judge, and that's God. And he didn't send us here to judge. Now, we have to determine things. We have to determine what's right and wrong. I don't want to be around people that are uh, running their mouths with wickedness. Matter of fact, I'm not going to be around them. If I can do something to get them to slow it down, cut it out, I might do that. Uh, one time, Brother Hart and I were sitting at a counter eating lunch, and this old fellow came in there, and big rough-looking guy, and I mean people around, and he starts cussing, taking the Lord's name in vain. And I said, excuse me, sir. What? I said, I've got a request. Would you, would you pray for me? What are you talking about? I said, well, as much as you're calling on God, seems like you've got some kind of a insight with him. Maybe you could pray for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Wayne looked at me and said, you're going to get us killed, but... <laughs> But he did stop it. And I don't apologize for doing that. So I'm not just going to sit down and take it. Give in to it. And if I can't stop it, I'll get away from it. I'm not going to hang around that stuff. And you ought not to either. But when the Bible says judge not lest you be judged. We can't judge the heart. You say, well that, that guy couldn't have been saved. Now wait a minute. Have you forgotten the Apostle Peter? When he even denied knowing the Lord at all physically. And then he began to curse. And believe you me. Peter knew the up to date curse words. He was a fisherman and they were. Sailors no worse than anybody else. I don't believe sailors any worse than soldiers. As far as that cussing. That nasty mouth. But I mean, even women are that way now. And we don't have to take that. I'm not going to hang around that. But what you don't want to do, you don't want to just jump to conclusions. Say, that's a lost man. I'll tell you what, when I came out here to this church, the former pastor had, I don't, I don't even want to call it a preach. He had harped on women wearing slacks to the degree that some of the ladies told me that they were really trying to fight this because they had begun, when they would see a woman with slacks on, they'd say, oh, she couldn't be saved. 
Now that's judging. That's jumping to conclusions. And we have no right to do that. And the fact of the matter is this. All of those preachers back in the day that pretty much that, that comprised their soundness as to how they kept their women under control. If they did that, it didn't much matter what else they did. If they kept their women quiet and in dresses, they're sound preachers. That was the attitude. And, but the fact of the matter is this. All that mouth on women wearing slacks. And then they'd go over to Deuteronomy. Well, we come to find out. I found it out a long time ago. A woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, nor a man that which pertains to a woman. It wasn't talking about the outer garments like that. It was talking about getting a sexual thrill out of it, which is what we've got with all of these, what do you call them? Uh, drag queens. They've got them in our libraries. Read, giving reading classes to our little kids. They've got them in our schools, teaching our little kids. Government schools, that is. Otherwise known as public. We heard about it, and I don't know that it's, that it's directly responsible. Wouldn't surprise me if it was. But we heard about that school in Hazard. Wasn't very long ago that all the little boys in that elementary school, they were told to dress them as girls. And they did it. I couldn't believe that you find that many idiots in Perry County. I thought Mountaineers... I, th I thought there's more men than that. You let some, well, I don't handle little ones now. You let somebody tell me to dress a boy as a girl. See, if I, I might not now, but there's been a time they'd have been picking their teeth up off the floor. I mean, we don't have to put up with that anyway. But we don't want to jump to conclusions. Uh, knowledge is good. All scriptural knowledge that you can get is good. But it must be tempered. Listen to this now. You know what tempering is? When you, I'm not a metallurgist. I'm not a blacksmith. David's a metal worker. When you, when you, a blacksmith, when he pounds out a, a knife, at a certain point, he has to put the temper back in that steel so you can sharpen it and it won't break, won't shatter. And there's a process to do it, dip it in oil and whatever. I don't know all the stuff, but that's what it, you have to temper it. Well, you take all of our knowledge and all of our experience and you temper it with love 
compassion, and humility. All of that knowledge that if that's all you've got, as Paul said, it puffs up. Do you know what puffs up? Well, if you've ever seen a a puff, I forget their names now, fish. Huh? What the they they look like they've got spines on their back. And they look like they've got beaver teeth, big teeth. And when you pull them out of the ocean, onto the pit, they blow their belly up. Trying to show that they're real big. Well, we shouldn't have done it, but we'd pull them out and you always had a hunting knife on it. (laughs) And you let the air out of it. You know, that's all it is. It's puffed up. Uh, I think that's why a cobra spreads his head like that. A lot of animals do that. A lot of people do that. But that's, that's what knowledge does. If we've got knowledge without anything to temper it, it puffs up and makes you think you're something that you're not. And Paul said that. If we think ourselves to know anything, we know nothing yet but what we ought to know. All right, so jumping to conclusions. Now, his disciples said, ask him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, notice that, that question. He had no doubt. He knew it was one or the other. Didn't he? Oh boy. Jesus answered said, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. How about getting shut up with the truth? And did he shut him up or shut them up with the truth? And Christ, of course, corrected the ridiculous assumption with the word. And he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Uh, when he, let's see, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. <clears throat> now, Jesus didn't perform his miracles all the same way. And I think this is the only one performed like this. I don't know about you, but I cannot for the life of me see how clay with spit in it looks to me like there'd be a film over your eyes, you couldn't see nothing. Don't try this. 
I'd advise against it. The only way this will work is if Jesus spit in it and he anoints your eyes. That's the only way that it'll work. It won't work if you do it. It won't work if uh, uh, Oral Roberts does it. I mean, the only way they can do it, heal, heal, heal. <laughs> anyway. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. <laughs> what, a, what a statement. That's almost like, and he made the stars also. <laughs> what an understatement. He made the stars. And do you realize how much that includes? All of them. He made the stars also. They ain't still being formed. But that is gigantic. It's even bigger than that. Understatement. And this, now, it wasn't that he had cataracts. It wasn't that he had something in his eye and couldn't see real good. It wasn't that he had needed bifocal glasses. This man has been born blind. Born. He's never seen. He's never seen the light of day. I had an aunt. Dave had a great aunt. That was totally blind. But now she went blind when she was about 17. And so she had years of seeing. And she could remember some things. But she was totally blind. She, was, she couldn't see figures walking or anything. The nerves were dead in her eyes. So this fellow born, born blind, he had never seen anything. And now he's got his eyesight not returned. He's got it for the first time. I don't know how old he was. A man, I'd assume. And he came seeing. My, my, my. What an understatement. Now, if, if that was one of these so-called healers, well, they'd have volumes written on that. And the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, and said, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I, he said, I am he. You ain't getting away with that. It was me that was born blind and sat and begged. And some said, yeah, therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered, said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind Oh, and it was the Sabbath day. Now, these people know some things. These dudes know some things. They, 
They've been taught early on. They know some things. They know some things about the Sabbath day. And here we have. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now they're not saying, see, they don't have any compassion. How wonderful that this man was born blind and now he has his eyesight. Let's see what they did. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. <laughs> Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he said, the man, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him saying, Is this your son who, who you say was born blind? How did he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. That's pretty good testimony, isn't it? But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age. I assume that was 30 or above. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. And these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews that are agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. I don't know, were they kind of throwing him under the bus? But that, I mean, that's what they should have told him, or told them. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered said, Whether you be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he do to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you did not hear? Wherefore, why would you hear it again? Oh, would you all also be his disciples? <laughs> they didn't want that. <laughs> then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple. Where are Moses' disciples? We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is, where he came from. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that, I'm, I'm not going to go into more of that. Uh, anyway, this guy caused a big stir. 
How? Because God healed him. Jesus Christ healed him. Restored his sight. <laughs> we hear about how much mercy people have on people. <laughs> there wasn't any mercy for this fella. They never once said how. They didn't, they didn't care that he now was sighted. They're trying to trap Jesus and him with all of this stuff. So there's the disciples jumping to conclusions. And there's the Pharisees refusing to show any love, compassion, or even humility. They jump to conclusions. They wrongly accuse the blind man. Now, we're all sinners. We just read that Psalm 58. From the womb. And that's, that's not talking about your child. It's talking about all of, our, our, all of us. All over the world. Everybody. But he wrongly, they wrongly accuse the blind man. Though sin is at the root of all of our problems. Amen. Governmental. Individual. We're in a sinful world. We're in a sin-cursed world. We're in a sin-cursed body. And I watched a little thing on Hinduism the other day. Richard Gere, the, the actor, was narrating it. Evidently, he's a Hindu. And they were talking about right, Buddhism, not Hindu. That's, Buddhism is what I'm trying to say. Gautama Buddha. He was about 500 years before Christ. He was an atheist. The Buddha that they pray to was an atheist. And he's a dead atheist. <laughs> and if he died like that, he's a dead atheist burning in hell. And here they are praying to him. Well, I can jump to that conclusion. They're wrong. Anyway, I found this out. I did know it. I haven't studied in a long time. You see, Buddha was a prince. His daddy was a king. Filthy, rich. He had all kinds of everything. He had servants. He had all the women he could dream about. He had everything. Then for some strange reason, he renounced it and went out into the world. And now what he was trying to figure out, why is there so much poverty, so much murder, so much sickness and death, and why so much like that? That's all that Buddhism is, trying to, figure, trying to run an end run about, around God's curses. That's all, and people are so spiritual. There ain't nothing spiritual about it. It's, it's idiotic is what it is. Amen. Anyway, they wrongly accused the blind man. He wasn't guilty of anything. He couldn't have been as an infant in the womb. He said, we come forth. I don't know that we sin in the womb, but he said, we come forth speaking lies. That means we're out of the womb. 
And the assumption is that you're not going to be murdered in the womb. You're going to come out of the womb. Anyway, they wrongly accuse the parents. Well, if it ain't you, buddy, it must be your mom and daddy. We know that nobody would be blind if they wasn't guilty of atrocious sin. We know that. No, you don't know that. Anyway, look real quick at Job chapter 16. Now, you know the issue of Job. Everything's been taken from him. He's just got his life, but he's in misery. And then his three friends come, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And then somewhere Elihu comes in there, and he's standing back, so he's got actually four. But Elihu doesn't say anything until about the end of it. And I mean they have flat read the riot act to Job. Now the first week, they saw him from afar off and sat down in sackcloth and ashes and wept and kept their big fat mouths shut. And if they'd have kept it that way, they would have been good friends. Oh no, Eliphaz is the first to speak. And here in chapter 16, Job answered and said, I have heard many such things as you all are, what is, means that you're pointing a finger at me. I know, I know I'm a sinner, but I haven't done anything to bring this on myself. And he hadn't. But they said, you, you don't get in this kind of shape without committing grievous sin, Job. Just stand up and confess it and get it over with. That's what his friends told him. But Job says, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. That's what they are. They didn't comfort him at all. Jumping to conclusions. You know, in in marriages, husbands and wives, don't jump to conclusions. I give a lot of illustrations about this. Wife says to the husband, What'd you do? I know you did something. He may have, but she may be jumping to conclusions too. Or husband says to wife, I know what you've been doing. Well, Ephesians 4 says, you get all that stuff settled before the sun goes down. Because when you don't, you got to confront things, but you must do it in a 
humble, loving way. I've seen women. I know what you do. I know what you do. Attacking. You can't settle anything by attack. You can't attack anybody and get something settled. And he can do the same thing to her. Get that finger going. Get it settled. Church problems can be the same way. I've seen not just this and in other churches. These people sit on this side and these people sit on that side and they don't even shake hands when they go out, come in or go out. And come to find out it was over something that somebody assumed that somebody said or did and it wasn't true at all. Not true at all. So jumping to conclusions. I'm going to bring this to a close. God chastens whom he loves. But you need to remember this. If God is chastening me, he's not going to reveal it to you. If God's chastening me, he's going to reveal it to me. Do you ever spank your child and tell somebody else why you're doing it and refuse to tell your child? Can you imagine how perverted that discipline is? And our Father's, Heavenly Father's, much greater Father than that. There's some people think that God's put them on this earth to tell you what God's will is for your life. He really hasn't. But they might end up judging somebody and that's God's discipline or chastening them when it was just merely God's testing. God tests too, though. Or the vice versa, judging God's testing when it was discipline. We need to own this and many other things. James, the first chapter. Be slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Look at James 1. Because the wrath of man works not the righteous, righteousness of God. Be slow to speak, slow to wrath, swift to hear. Hebrews 13, I don't want to get this. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Don't assume 
that you know everything about somebody by looking at them. You'd be jumping to conclusions. You never know. Now, a lot of the commentaries, most of them, they brought up Abraham and Lot and the angels that came. But I believe they knew they were the angels. I don't believe they just thought they were strangers. I don't think it says that. But you never know. Don't jump to conclusions that this old girl or this old boy, they ain't nobody, ain't nothing, ain't nobody. Uh, we're supposed to, let's see, be hospitable, aren't we? Isn't that what it said? Pastors to be hospitable, and we are to be hospitable. Romans 12, 1 Timothy 3, Galatians 6, I won't go to all of them. Well, if you're jumping to conclusions, you ain't about to be hospitable. Who's them people out there? You don't know. And they could be bad people. You don't know. We can't be fools, but we, we must not jump to conclusions. And that dear brother, blind from birth, <laughs> surely we could say, praise the Lord. But nobody did. They didn't. All they're doing, trying to get him for it. Well, you say, well, we're not like that today. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we 